Confess yourself to heaven. Repent what's past. Avoid what is to come. And do not spread the compost on the weeds to make them rancor. I'm Zach Powers. And this is Stage of Fools. The unofficial Royals podcast. Tonight we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 2, Confess Yourself to Heaven. Cyrus helps Liam gather information on Robert. A contender emerges as Helena and Willow assess possible brides for Robert. Jasper goes rogue at a press conference. Well, here we are once again. We're coming at you riffing pretty much straight off the cuff. We just walked into Jasper's the room not we record. Jasper's not dead. Uh, now they're going to turn off the podcast. Yeah, he's not dead. He's never going to be dead. Everyone was so surprised, Zach, and now you're ruined. He's not even in a coma anymore. He woke up like super fast. He's good. He's fine. He's already having sex again. All right, folks. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. stuff happened very rom-com stuff very i don't know uh how would you describe what cyrus was doing in this episode uh like eyes wide shut meets pulp fiction kind of sex play experimentation i think you're being too flattering to cyrus describing it though i think that's how he'd describe it i would say it's a bit more tawdry than that like a Playboy bunny Halloween party in the later years when the mansion was kind of in decline. All right. Well, yeah, I guess so. They, it, it, I mean, from what we actually see on screen, it's essentially a costume party, but it's heavily implied that there is also an orgy that follows. You're once again getting ahead of us. Uh, we have a lot to discuss this week. I said when we were watching it that I think this is one of the most saccharine episodes the show has done, and I stand by that. But as we were just talking about, there's also a healthy dose of weird sex stuff in this episode. So stay tuned as we unpack all of that where should we begin so we as 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 has been established uh in this season so far we begin with a look at our new god (laughs) our new child god sarah alice playing with her figures on her board considering the fate of her wooden jasper figurine it does look like a voodoo doll or like the puppets that the girls would have in the crucible now, I, I had kind of hoped that Sarah Alice would remain like this weird god puck figure and never actually interact with any other characters again, or even be mentioned. Disembodied hands, turning the pages, cutting the strings held by the fates. Yeah, like to- a Tommy Westfall kind of situation. <laughs> uh, well, 
she's still around. Meets, meets that kid from the Twilight Zone who wishes people into the corn. Yes. What I I don't even know how to put into words what Sarah Alice is. She's all those things and more. Especially because this week she said her catchphrase. That's me. I'm Sarah Alice. <gasps> she basically said it and we rewound it to watch because uh, we've always played up maybe just the tiniest bit played up her accent maybe made like i don't not hyperbolically so but made just like a little caricature of it uh but yeah she's here obviously she's very upset about jasper being shot so is eleanor james hill once again the smartest person in the situation who is uh the you know castle head of security and sarah alice's adopted dad and more importantly than either of those things still on the show yeah he wasn't here last week we were really worried anyway he tells eleanor that uh he won't promise to sarah alice that jasper will live because you know can't make another promise to her that he has to break which really know what that means because she was an infant when her parents died also i don't know did he make a promise about her parents not dying before they died i don't remember she was a newborn and she couldn't have really held him to that promise anyway but yeah it was weird it was weird what a weird promise to make a child (laughs) but he's right that he shouldn't make that promise so of course eleanor listens to that and goes Right. Well, I'm going to go find her immediately and promise her that Jasper will live against her father's wishes. And even though I honestly have no way of guaranteeing that because things are looking pretty hairy there for a while. Yeah. And then she finds her and uh, Sarah Alice is making pictures about how your heart is full and it makes plants or something. Yeah. When your heart's empty, your heart flower can't grow, but then your heart gets full up like a character's strength bar in a video game and you can blast a pink daisy from it. Yeah. It's like if a tomato and the planet from Le Petit Prince merged, but it was like way less charming. Okay. Just, but you had to do it in the French with the full accent. (laughs) No, no. I I didn't actually say it right. What I meant to say was um, Le Petit Prince. Okay. Um, anyway, forget about that. Um, no, remember that. That's correct. Go back two minutes and then skip forward 30 seconds so you can say you skipped that part of the podcast if anybody asks you. Build a time machine. Go back to when you first heard about this podcast and don't hear about it. Uh, anyway, also they literally copy paste a joke from last season where she drew a caterpillar with uh, big eyebrows and... Eleanor recognizes it from the eyebrows, and it is literally the same joke with the same animal. With a different drawing, which again, just kind of lends to the like recycled feel of it. Also, Eleanor points out that Sarah Alice has got all her teeth, and I'm like, maybe that's why she seems just a little bit old for this shit now. Because a year has passed since the show was last on the air. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's too, too bad. I've seen worse, like, kids uh, overaging It's not like... We've been watching Buffy in our spare time, unfortunately not for any podcasting endeavor. And for like the first two episodes of Dawn being on the show, it feels like they want her to be a much younger girl than she is, but then they almost immediately dispense with that and make her the appropriate age for the actress. Yeah, I had heard that they wanted that character to be 12, and it took it clearly took them a couple episodes to correct course for the age of uh, Michelle Trachtenberg in real life. That is not related to this show. No, but, you know, I've got Buffy on the brain, so. Um, okay. Liam, for some reason, 
uh, he okay. So he's going out with his uh, girlfriend that he is using to get information. Who I will restate is played by the actress Lily Loveless of Skins fame, who gained great acclaim when she was on that show for doing like a very sensitive coming out arc where her character kind of came to terms with being queer and was like just a huge fan favorite. It's Im- embarrassing to have her on this show playing just another one of Liam's disposable MacGuffin girlfriends because like of course because she is one of these nice girls that he dates she has a monologue about like the innocent tragedy in her life and she delivers it so much better than like your Ophelia's or your Catherine's and it's just painful to watch her in this part. Ostensibly the episode is cut up into three parts all right there's the A storyline which is all the Jasper shit there's the B storyline which is Liam and to a lesser degree Cyrus's plan to get the information to bring down Robert and then there's Robert's court the C plot is Robert and Willow kind of continuing their sort of courtship Um, okay so right now the Robert and Willow plot line which we talked a little bit about last week before we get to that just think of some rom-com cliches. Make a little list for yourself and see how many you check off once we get to talking about that C-plot. Because I promise you, you'll cross off quite a few. Um, anyway. Back to Liam. So Liam is preparing to go on a private jet with his very wealthy girlfriend, which he's inordinately impressed by considering he's royalty. Her name um, is Greta, just for ease of discussion. Okay. I don't understand why this happens. The entire like security staff for the castle comes to the plane and and like points their guns at (laughs) Liam and Greta like but he's not a person of interest and the next scene they are talking normally it's more than it's even more confusing than that so they're all pointing their guns at him and he's like it's because they think I'm the one who set up that assassination attempt on Robert like all pithy and like grimly smiling to himself because he didn't but wouldn't he have liked to but um then for the rest of the episode everyone is stressing about Eleanor and Liam potentially being in danger because they don't know who the you know assassin is so why would all the royal guards be pointing their guns at at Liam if they're worried about Liam getting shot. I don't know. Like, it doesn't make any... It makes no sense. But um, anyways, so... <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, he goes uh, with uh, Greta to her father's estate, I guess. Um, he... Uh, this storyline is kind of a fucking mess. Um, okay. Before we even get to the estate, Liam is talking to Greta about what he's heard about it. And he's like, oh, that's big, even for me. And I'm like, grew up in a castle, like a series of castles and palaces. I don't believe this. Yeah. And he has a very awkwardly framed FaceTime conversation with Cyrus about how (laughs) Cyrus has a fucking James Bond device to bypass all the passwords (laughs) and copy the hard drive. He has a MacGuffin device to use on his MacGuffin girlfriend's MacGuffin dad. Yeah. Basically. Uh, because it's like a magic device that can do exactly what needs to happen so there's no plot obstructions. And William has like the vaguest pretense of like, oh, I feel bad about using this girl, but he gets over it pretty fucking easy. Yeah, even after she like lays out this super heavy story of like losing her sister quite recently and suddenly. Uh, but uh, to quickly return to Liam and Cyrus's FaceTime conversation, Liam is 
awkwardly holding his phone out at a full arm's length. Like, he's taking a selfie with a group of 50 of his closest friends. He's holding the phone as far away from himself as his arm will physically allow him to do. Zach is gesturing, which I know you all really enjoyed. Um... And then Cyrus has the phone extremely close to his face. Like, you can't even see the edges of his head. His face is filling the entire, like, iPhone screen, which sort of looks weird. And then you realize they're doing it just to do this gag where he then holds his FaceTime camera out so that Liam can see what he's doing. And his mistress, sex worker, I'm not sure what to call her, whose name was Saffron from last season. She was like the girl who was changing her name to various different spices that all started with S. She's pouring buckets of cold sexual lubricant on him while he stands naked in a kiddie pool because he says a lubricant massage is supposed to be one of the most like sensual experiences you can ever have and apparently he's still dying of cancer which the show wasn't super clear about yeah they kind of forgot about that last episode but he he was totally cured he's apparently we get the information from his um very appropriately dressed attorney that he is still uh dying of cancer I have to talk quickly about the attorney thing. She is yet another woman, just like the sexy prime minister and the sexy reporter who we see once again in this episode, um, who is like a professional woman who should just be doing her job, who's dressed like a fetish model or an actor in like very cut rate pornography. Like she's wearing a tight white blouse and like her hair is in a messy bun with like very stereotypical glasses on and like a tight black mini skirt. And like no lawyer dresses like this to a meeting with a member of the British royal family. And like all professional women in this universe, uh, they're all under the age of, they're early to mid 30s, mid 30s. Early no. 30s or younger. Yeah. And um, all very attractive women. No older women are successful. Willing to flirt to get ahead because uh, even though the reporter, not reporter, God, see, I'm already mixing them up. Even though the lawyer turns down Cyrus's offer of sex, she does it in like a very cheeky, like, oh, I couldn't handle it way. Where it's like, we want you to live a little bit longer. Don't want your heart to stop from the sex having. So Cyrus has, at his lawyer's behest, put together a, a bucket list. That he calls, say it, say Oh, okay. I thought you were, <laughs> that he calls a suck it list or even better. A fuck it list? Yeah, well, he gets cut off before he says the entire word fuck it, but, uh, yeah. E-television network. Haven't they bleeped swears on this show in the past? I think so. I don't know. I can't remember. It's been over a year since this show last year. (laughs) It's It's been... A lot of stuff has happened in the past year, but a lot of stuff has also happened for the character. I mean, since the end of the last season, it's been like, I guess, four months. I was kind of fudging that. A lot has not happened for the characters. Uh, Robert comes to be with Jasper and Eleanor at the hospital at one and he calls her ho her whole hotel endeavor Hotelinor. Yeah, he does call it Hotelinor. So Which kind of <laughs> reminds me of my uh That's what's on classic my, my classic line Helenor. Oh yeah. Zach's classic inability to speak. Well, to distinguish between these characters, which to be fair, it's not like this shows the best drawn characters in the universe. No, especially because Helena 
as per usual, gets Does to not fluctuate have a all yeah. over the place depending on whether they need her to be a villain or like a goofy good guy. Or a supportive mother or someone who does not give to like a full on Lucille Bluth doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, she can do it all. She basically has a personality disorder if she really were a real person. It's like the United States of Terra, kind of. In that <laughs> I was going to say she needs to see Dr. Melfi from The Sopranos um, to sort through her double life. So Liam is on this mission to use this woman who, like Shannon says, reveals the story about how her sister, who her father clearly preferred, died a little bit before Robert disappeared. Oh, well, yeah. We'll have to talk about that later. <laughs> but, uh, and how even from a little girl, she had a picture of Liam on her door. Now, people being in love with people from a young age is a recurring theme in this episode. But, uh, sure. So he's there for the weekend trying to get the information off of her father's computer. And her father is a very, a pretty cliche through and through shit, shit, shit burger guy. <laughs> Just like a shitty rich guy. Just like the, a very shitty rich guy with the dumbest, like, he's like, do you know how I got rich? Sir Elton John came in when I was just a bank teller making minimum wage. And I said, I don't give a fuck about music, but I want to make you rich. So I invested all of his money. So Elton John met a teller while cashing a check and then had that teller handle his investments, even though bank telling has nothing to do with investment management and does not even require a business degree of any kind. Well, you would know. Well, I did used to be... I do not have... Disclose yourself to the audience. I was once a bank teller and I don't have a business degree <laughs> and I did not handle any investments. Well, you know, the thing about Greta is that she's like, as I was alluding to before, a classic Liam girlfriend. Nice, interested in one of the arts. Uh, you know, for Ophelia, it was dance. For Catherine, it was hair. And for Greta, it's photography. <laughs> was it? I, did she make... She had no personality besides having great hair, to be okay. totally Okay, I thought and like... And having a fun sister. Did she make art projects out of found hair? Oh, no, that would have been something interesting about her. It actually would have been a greatly needed development. But my point being, no, she were, she's she... nice and she doesn't have a whole lot of personality. She doesn't really rock the boat. She doesn't hold any politically ultra opinions. Yet her father treats her like she is the scum of the earth like to the point where it's baffling we know that her sister was the favorite but he's all but being like dewey cox's dad from Walkard, like yeah. the wrong kid died yeah i mean he like uh he is intensely uh disbelieving of the concept that uh, Liam could be into his daughter. Now, he does happen to be right that Liam is not just interested in the daughter, but the fact that he doesn't believe any man seems to be able to be interested in his daughter instead of just, instead of wanting something from his estate. Um, Sadly, I know it happens, but if someone is complimenting your child and you're vehemently disagreeing with them, something has gone terribly wrong. And um, he's like, he has, fe they have pheasant for dinner and he's like, I shot the pheasant myself. You should come hunting with me, Liam. I find you find a true man when you see him hold a gun. Yeah, which really rings super tone deaf in these times. Although, of course, this season was written, you know. 
ages ago, but it was just like, oh. Uh, but you missed an important beat. Maybe my favorite William Mosley line reading in a while. He plays Liam. Uh, the shitty dad asks him, like, he's like, I shot the pheasant myself. Do you like it? And without looking up and in a very somehow funny because it was so understated way, he goes, yep, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like such a real response and on the royals you know it's very rare rare to get a naturalistic line reading that's why it's so weird to have lily loveless who is like playing her heart out but also not really doing like the fawning adulation that liam's other love interests have done so when an actually naturalistic line reading slips into this show like yep it's good then it actually makes me laugh super hard uh so Finally, Liam, that evening, like, separates from Greta, like, trying to be, play the gentleman, I guess, and uh, keep their space. Yeah, and uh, he disappears to the office to, you know, get the data they need to, to, for the data. Then the data will be there and things will be better. It doesn't matter. It's like <laughs> the MacGuffin they need to defeat Robert. We have to clone the computer. Yeah, they have to clone the computer, the entire computer on a on a thumb drive. Um. Anyways, uh, she catches him in her father's office, and he's like, "Oh, this place is more confusing than the palace. I was looking for you." Uh, and and then, it's like not even close, buddy. You're on like a different floor in a different wing. So they do have sex anyway. And uh, then he leaves in the night to clone the data. And I don't know if this was meant to be like a counterpoint to last season when he never left Catherine. Like Robert would leave in the night, but Liam never would. I don't think it's that intelligent, but I like that parallel. And that uh, Liam is beware ye who fight monsters, least you become a monster yourselfing. Um, because there's also parallel shots of him and Cyrus and Cyrus keeps calling him his apprentice. I mean, clearly we're supposed to be like, Liam is becoming, at what cost is Liam, is the cost of his soul? Yeah, but because that's because we weren't supposed to find him a huge piece of shit last season. But unfortunately I did because of all his weird manipulative and or selfish behavior. But yeah, it's supposed to be like, oh, only now he's turning to the dark side. So I know you want to tell how Liam got the password. So tell the good people how he figured oh, out I the password. Oh, I forgot almost. Um, I'm not going to take that from you. So the password bypass fails on the device because uh, this guy has Norton antivirus, I guess. And can't figure out a four letter password. I don't think he knows how many letters it is, but there is a picture of his daughter with his other daughter's face half cropped, Greta's face half cropped out sitting next to the computer. So um, obviously, can you can you guess, dear listener, what the password would be? It's the dead daughter's name, Lise, four letters. And no one would have guessed it, especially because there's a framed picture of her right next to his computer. Yeah. So uh, this guy was begging to be hacked, basically. Um, He should, uh, you know, given his level of internet security, he should work for the Trump administration because he takes zero precautions. Well, speaking of begging to be degraded... We see some more of the inside of uh, Cyrus's sex parties when Robert bursts in being like, what are you doing? And Cyrus is wearing the full on, like, what do you call that? A gimp costume? It's like a gimp suit, yeah. A full on gimp costume being held like on a leash by a woman who looks like an edgier version of Cruella DeVille. And there's like a drag version of Queen Helena there. And like a guy who's like a shirtless 
clown and one girl who just kind of looks like she's got like a basically a Hooters costume on more or less. One girl is definitely supposed to be like Roller Girl from Boogie Nights. Okay, that's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. And um, there's um like a creepy, really creepy little Bo Peep that has like the powdered face stuff. Uh, Yeah, it's a bunch of men and women in revealing costumes. It would just look like a kind of like, uh, oh, wear your sexy version of whatever party except... It looks like whatever was on sale, whatever the e yeah. the, whatever the e wardrobe warehouse had lying around from like joke sketches for the soup or something. Yeah, it reminds me. Um, there was some comedian who had a bit about how he was passing a sex shop, and one of the things in the windows was a costume for a sexy bee. <laughs> um, I'll have to figure out what that is, but uh, yeah, it's just like they saw uh, revealing costumes and just picked them up on mass on like. There on may have been a sexy spirit. bee there. Honestly, there could have like, been a sexy bee. It would have fit in fine. Spirit. It was like ten days after Halloween, and Spirit was closing up, and they were like, "What do you got left?" Basically, that's how they attained all these costumes. Anyway, uh, he tells a raccoon that uh, it's good. A man dressed as a raccoon. That it's good he has opposable thumbs because he's going to need to use them. And I was like, what does that mean? I mean, I have guesses, but I don't care to I share guesses. them. Don't put them on air. Don't put them on air. But all my guesses were alarming. I mean, Robert, this whole episode is kind of just like popping into a room here, popping into a room there. Now I'm at the hospital. Now I'm staring at my own reflection while I monologue about truth. <laughs> um, now I'm bothering Eleanor who doesn't want anything to do with me uh, while she's at the hospital. But the big thing he's doing this episode is trying to win Willow over to his side with some pretty well-framed whining. I mean, basically when you come down to his, to down, come down to it, his argument is, but I want you to be on my list of brides. But he always like, he's pretty good at being like manipulative and coy about it. Yeah. I guess that's his thing. I, I, I'll, I'll go, I, in so much as his arguments are pretty weak, I, I don't think Willow's arguments for not being on the list make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, she's like, I want it too bad. She's like, I had this castle music box when I was a little girl and I would stare at it and dream of being a royal. Because remember, you can't love someone unless you love them from the time you were a tiny child. And also, she has this thing where, like, her mom gave up her titles to marry her common father, who is also super rich. But, like, I don't see how that means she can't... She grew up with the princes and princess and is basically considered still part of the aristocracy. Like, Like, it's not a sacrifice. Sorry. There's there's nothing in it. There's no implication that her her mother was like, you can never go back, or, like, the aristocracy was evil. It's just her mother once gave it up. Like, who... What does that have to do with her retaining that tradition? And it's not just Robert. Helena is also playing it pretty obvious that she wants Willow to be the one. Uh, Willow lies to her and says that it was actually Catherine who was number one on the list and got taken off. Yeah, because she fucked up. Because Willow, hilariously, even though she's supposed to be the one who's like in charge of social media and tech, brings Helena a list of potential brides that starts at number two. So one has obviously just been like, delete on yeah, word she just went into word and but even word auto corrects those numbers maybe she was using like notepad yeah, she must have she been using her iphone she couldn't spring for word she's a brazilian horse heiress and i almost said horse harris no but 
you know, her father taught her the importance of being frugal or her mother or somebody, her, her mother, who's no longer part of the aristocracy, learned the, the need, the, the value of being frugal and said, you don't need word. Use the native word editing document on your laptop that doesn't autocorrect. Because there's no way that working for the British royal family in intimate capacity has any sort of salary. This one may have a salary, but I feel like they do not provide... You get paid in sex. (laughs) Yeah. I don't feel like this is a well-run operation. Um, Anyway, it's well-financed, but I think that, like, on the detail-oriented level, this this palace falls apart pretty fucking quick. I mean, I hardly even know what to say about the Willow and Robert stuff besides... As I alluded to before, it's quite paint by numbers in terms not of much like to it. any romantic comedy that has a story where it's like, I'm winning you over by saying the opposite of what I mean. And like, I'm a bad guy, but like, I'm into your purity and innocence. And so I'm just going to pretend to be good. Like, it's any lines of dialogue you're imagining from those scenes, insert them here and you'll, you'll feel like you were there. They needed to prolong the storyline slightly. So they made up a reason for... for for Willow to be, you know, reticent. And of course, at the end of the episode, he gets her a music box with a castle inside of it, just like the one she says she has from when she was a little girl. So I went, okay, now she has two. She has two. Um, Lady doesn't want two giant music boxes. Um, so I guess, I guess we do have to go into more detail. Yeah, Robert's story kind of comes full circle back with the Jasper, Jasper and Eleanor stuff. Well, why don't you explain something about, uh, after we see the child god Sarah Alice playing with her wooden peg of Jasper, we do get treated to a short flashback. I'm starting to feel like child god is disrespectful and we start to god child. What? What's the difference? <laughs> Are we showing you a fealty to Sarah Alice? Okay, god child, I guess. Anyway, the god child allows us to travel back in time and experience a Christmas time flashback. Yeah. In America, once upon a time in a faraway place called America, we see young Jasper, who we know is young Jasper because we're zoomed in on Jasper's face and then we're zoomed in on this kid's face and that's pretty much how this show does it he doesn't really bear us that striking of a resemblance to um handsome burberry model guy who plays jasper i can't think of his name right now austin something. tom austin there it is uh so he's at a dank dirty bar at christmas time dressed as an elf and his dad looks like bad santa let me tell you that because he's gray and he's droopy and he's seen better times and uh he's dressed in like a grody old santa outfit with like a nasty wig and beard and he's taking the money to buy his drinks from like a salvation army army bucket oh no they've been out there grifting people and at this point i feel i need to say jasper's family have been like mob bosses who run the crime scene in las vegas they've been petty pickpockets and they've been everything in between and they have officially run the gamut back and forth depending on (laughs) what the show needs them to be because in the mandy season his father was like uh or he was involved with like crime kingpins but anyway um so jasper the only comfort he gets at christmas time is from watching child princess eleanor's christmas time address on the on the tv and he like watches her with this loving smile on his face and it's yet again an instance of this weird plot idea that someone is only your true love if you love them since childhood which is a super common theme in fiction and especially in tv 
TV shows like this. And it's also not the first time the show has done this because Ophelia was supposed to have known Liam since childhood. Um, and there have been many other instances of that on the show, including Helena's lover, who at one point was suspected to be Eleanor and Liam's biological father. Anyway, Jasper wakes up. He and Eleanor, you know, kiss and embrace, and she lays on his chest a bunch in a way that seems like it'd be really painful after you just had your chest opened up for surgery after being shot. Yeah, I mean, after she's... Liam uh, doesn't come uh, consult Eleanor during the surgery because he has to steal files um steal yeah, the he's data a great brother and a great boyfriend just an all-around good person great friend to jasper too who's basically like sacrificed his life for this family well, I'll, say, I'll say this about the liam thing i think i think this season they're intending for what he's doing to be shitty unlike last season where they were just acting like he's the best guy, but he was kind of shitty underneath it. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We used to joke in the first season of this show slash podcast a long, long time ago that Liam's Playboy Prince nickname was so unearned because he was so much like the serial monogamist and so devoted to Ophelia. But now he really is the Playboy Prince. Just like, I will use and discard women to my advantage when I see fit. Um, yeah, so, uh, Jasper has a surgery, he wakes up, uh, the doctor tells Eleanor that she can touch him, um, <laughs> uh, like, she lightly touches his finger and, and is like, is this okay? And, uh, Shannon felt that his response was almost condescending. Oh yeah, while he's still unconscious, she touches his hand and, and like, very gently and obviously very upset because her loved one is in critical condition. He goes, is this okay? And the doctor goes, of course it's okay. Touch is supposed to be very helpful in these situations. I was like, calm down, dude. She's just checking. Which is funny since later on in the episode, they have full-on standing-up sex in the hospital room. Yeah, like within, I feel like the same day that he woke up from his surgery to save his life. Like, I feel like it's been less than 48 hours since he's been shot. It absolutely has been less than 48 hours by the show's timeline. I think you could argue about whether it's been a day or a day and a half, but not beyond that. So I, they cut the scene where they start to have sex. It's like at the very end of the episode. But I have to imagine three or four seconds after that cut, Jasper was like, actually, this is incredibly painful. Can we stop? (laughs) Eleanor, you're wearing a full corset with bones and laces. And I think just undoing it is going to win me. It will burst his like, or the scene goes on like he tries to keep going until his stitches break and blood. And there's just blood everywhere. Oh, Um, God. His heart. His heart is finally full of the red crayon that makes a flower burst out of it. I guess. His tomato heart is finally full by Sarah Alice's metric. Anyway, um, so thanks to him getting shot, uh, all the complications he had with every character except for Robert is pretty much washed away. Everybody's cool with him. And here's another thing I just thought of. He's a national hero for taking the bullet for Prince Robert. And now they have to like come up with a backstory, supposedly, according to the royal family. Because he's going to be in the public eye. Why wasn't this all happening after he discovered who King Simon's killer was? Yeah, I know. I said that he's... We've talked about this last year, how he should be famous already. Yeah, anyway, it's just weird they decided to pick up this plot thread now. It feels like it would have been a natural fit two seasons earlier. But, but anyway, uh, continue. So, God, what even happens? Um, there's a lot of Eleanor and Tim, like, being all 
Blah, 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 blah. Just get to the end speech. There's nothing there. Uh, So they try to, uh, they decide that they need to introduce him to the world. And uh, they come up with some backstory about how he's the fucking CIA. Yeah, they're going to have him publicly state that he was a CIA agent in deep cover. And I'm like, you know who's not going to like that? The CIA. Trying to bust jewel thieves. So like he was jewel thief cohorts with that woman who disappeared last year. There's a grain of truth in every good lie. And he used to steal diamonds with his bisexual ex-lover who also loved him since childhood. But why wouldn't they just say he was an investigator who was taken on to figure out who killed King, whatever, Robert, which one was it? King Simon. King Simon, who, uh, because that's what he did. He solved that case. How quickly they forget, ladies and gentlemen. Or even better, just be like, he had a rough upbringing, but he caught Simon's killer and took a bullet for the current king. Yeah, everyone loves like a comeback story. That's not exclusive to America. That's true in England too. Uh, So Jasper inexplicably starts his speech in a British accent for revealing that he's American. He gets up out of his wheelchair and leans on the balcony like he's Ava Perone or FDR, I guess. And all of our favorites are there. Rob Jobson from last season. <laughs> That's a real character name. No, if you're, a long, if you're a long time listener, I'm 95% certain that Rob Jobson has been in episodes prior to this. It's impossible not to make Bob Loblaw jokes, but I'm sure we have before. So I'll, I'll just leave that stone unturned. And minor character, um... Respected professional who dresses appropriately, journalist woman who was one of the poorest actresses, I have to say, in the series run so far. She's terrible. Okay, so last time we saw her, she was wearing a giant jacket as a dress. Remember that? She has upgraded her wardrobe. I'll say that for her. Slightly. She's fully covered. And I was like, yes, she was even wearing a mock turtleneck. But she's still terrible. Um... And she, she asks some a lot. super leading questions to Jasper. Jasper reveals that he's American. He reveals his whole checkered past, minus the whole coercing Eleanor with drugs and a sex tape thing. Uh, but the show has also forgotten the that. The show so decided that did not occur. As far as the show's concerned, he discloses all and he's being honorable. And uh, then, of course. In a moment that I actually kind of liked, Jasper is like leaning very heavily on the banister of the belt and he turns back over his shoulder and tells Robert that he's not leaving his job because these things have a way of working themselves out, which is exactly what Robert said to Jasper before he got shot. And it means that Jasper has totally totes figured out that the assassination attempt was not one on Robert's life, it was one of Robert's on his life. Yeah, which was very apparent from uh, the word go, which to the show's credit, they didn't act like that was a big reveal. Like they assumed the viewer was smart enough to assume that was the case. Well, also Robert was being so obvious that if Jasper didn't get it, it would almost be depressing because he threw in so many like um, mustache twirling villain double entendres that were like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Uh, And yes, so the... um, what do I, what should I call her? The very professional reporter lady is there and she asks Jasper some super leading questions while they're at it about like, is it true there's a new woman in your life? And he's like, yes, but I'm not going to tell you who it is, but we're going to have an amazing future together. And Eleanor is watching on the TV in the hospital and she's crying. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that they 
I'll say this. So last, there was the the conflict that drove a lot of last season was like, we can't let anybody know because reasons. And I'm glad that they (laughs) seem to be like, yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Like that the show is just kind of seemingly for the most part, just done with that bullshit storyline. And now Jasper's a hero. So like that'll soften the blow to the public. I don't know. I don't see that they would have cared that much in the first place. Like Eleanor has had way more scandalous boyfriends slash notably girlfriend. I think that that would have been a way bigger scandal than like uh, the British, now British hero who uh, figured out who one king's killer was and took a bullet for his son. Yeah, so it seems like Jasper has more of an incentive to join the crusade to bring down Robert. Uh, I'm hoping that means Eleanor will also have an active role in like trying to bring him down instead of just being like... And and because these two characters seem... Like it seems like the relationship is in a position now where the complications that have hindered it in the past are maybe less pronounced or going away so they can focus maybe on the more political main storyline of the show which I think would be an ideal use of both of those characters yeah I think they need to I would love to see Eleanor get something to sink her teeth into that's not so wholly Jasper centric I mean we know that she as a character got to have these four months away where she had apparently this incredible personal slash entrepreneurial journey but we as the viewers didn't see that or really get to be a part of much of any of that Um, and I have to tell you I was a little bit frustrated by how much time was spent in this episode with Eleanor beating herself up for not being constantly by Jasper's side because uh, her life has pretty much revolved around him for the past few years and I don't think something that she should feel bad about that she took four months for herself to pursue a pursuit outside of her relationship. What did she pursue? Oh, Project Hotelinor. Yeah, that's what she pursued. I choked it out. Um, also, another thing that's definitely going to happen this season is uh, the actor they picked to play Jasper's dad is going to show up. Yeah, he's notably way too old to be the father of like eight-year-old, nine-year-old Jasper in the flashback, which means they're using the same actor. Yeah, so that guy, look for him in one of the next few episodes, I have to assume. Oh yeah, he calls Jasper's phone in the hospital and Jasper has him on caller ID as my asshole dad. Yeah, with a asterisk over the O because it's still E. You know what I'm going to call him? Bad Santa. Okay, well, um, having said that, I really think we burned through this episode because I don't, I actually feel like it was, Shannon mentioned it was saccharine, but I also feel like it was pretty light. Like, I feel like. Minus all the speeches about how love is forever and dad told me to choose love. Yeah, but those are, don't matter. Like, (laughs) somebody fucking stole those from a greeting card at Hallmark. Like, they, they bought six Hallmark greeting cards and put them next to each other and made that a speech. They stole some Dove chocolate wrapper. Yeah, so, but I do feel like they're just, I kind of feel like it was, uh, you know, kind of an empty episode. There wasn't a lot of nutritional value in this episode. Not that there usually is, but like this one was a little, uh, a little less flavorless, a little more flavorless than the best Royals episodes to me. I'm, uh, I'm even having a, I was thinking about the inevitable favorite moment. And I, I don't really know. It's kind of hard for me to think of a moment that seems particularly standout. It's not that it was bad necessarily. It's just that it was pretty, 
pretty by the number. I think it gave us some fine relationship development. I think they had to move the ball forward with Willow and Robert, with Eleanor and Jasper. Yeah, there was some stage setting going on. With Cyrus and Liam, with Liam and Greta. I I mean, it does feel like an episode that was setting stuff up. I think we might have felt like it was more action-packed if we were more into, like, the Liam and Cyrus plot, or if there were any actual dramatic tension there. But from pretty much every moment, it's like, my plan is succeeding, my plan is succeeding, my plan is succeeding, and oh, it succeeded. So there isn't a lot of dramatic tension there. Yeah. But I am going to give, I do have a few favorite moments to hand out for laughs, if nothing else. I really thought that um, you could see that Elizabeth Hurley was having a really fun time with all like the potential royal mother of the groom stuff that she gets to do. She was like going through the potential bride's headshots and like insulting them and making quippy remarks like, this one had a nose job when she has Robert's children. Everyone will think the kids are illegitimate. Gotta dodge that bullet. Which is also funny because Helena herself has been several times accused of having bastard children. Uh, So I enjoyed that. You know I loved Willow handing her the list that was missing the number one in the most obvious way. But my number one favorite moment goes to, how do you like the pheasant? I shot at myself. It's good. <laughs> yep, it's good. Uh, and there were some fun new sets. The estate was great. Robert has a turquoise apartment that's new to us. It may be a redecorated set, repurposed from another character, but it's really unique to him in terms of how it's decorated. Not, 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 he lives in the, he doesn't live in an apartment. He lives in the palace. Oh, Zach is revealing how little he knows about aristocracy because the private chambers that various royal family members have are called apartments. Oh, well fine uh ugly american okay well i'm glad i assume all of our listeners are aware of the context of the use of the word apartment to mean a room a royal person read a marie antoinette biography sometime um anyway uh yeah i don't know i guess if i had to choose i felt that the conversation over dinner as a whole was so absurdly over the top and the characterization of that evil father was so one note and ridiculous that I found it kind of enjoyable in that context. So I suppose I'd give that my, uh, my, my, my favorite. Yeah. There was some stuff that caught our attention this episode. Sometimes that's, you know, very much for good or for bad, but it happens and I'm sure we'll have more stuff to talk about next week. So yeah. So I think, yeah, like like we said, this episode, there was a lot of getting the pieces in place and not knowing where it's going from here. Like, there's only so much you could say about getting pieces in place. That's why I'm going to say thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.